Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Is that monkeys playing tennis or? Tennis de Sage, Tennis de Monos, Tennis de la Chimie, Tennis Marmo. Oh, voilà, Dan. Ahí está Dan. Echo Dan. Aquí no Dan. Dan. It's that time. What time? High time to say, if you've got time to give this time your time, then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time. On this time. Monkey Tennis, please, please, cook your eggs. Be safe. The egg safe. Monkey Tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? It falls to me to say he is gone. Monkey Tennis? I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey Tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey Tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things... To all men. And all women. And everything in between. Monkey Tennis? There's a subtle cock up there. Hello and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. If our podcast is a barefoot drive to Dundee, then your feedback and comments very much the Toblerone that we like to gorge on while we get there. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. If this lady had been my mum, I'd have been a very confused teenage boy. Nick Alder. Call me a Luddite. I don't even have a tease made. And Tom Stab. You've got arms, use them. So, uh, yes, welcome to the second of two uh, roundup episodes of your feedback and thoughts about series two of this time. Uh, for those of you mostly interested in episodes one to four, uh, you'll have to go back and listen to last week's. We've already covered it, you fools. Um, but we're going to dive straight into episode five. And I believe Tom Dark is at the helm to begin with. Okay, yeah, we're going to start some uh, discussion on episode five with a very important update here. This comes in from <laughs> Adam Rizzo Negro on Twitter. Adam writes, losing your leg hair is very much a thing that happens as you age. I don't think it was meant to be a reference to an accident, more or not to the fact that Alan is getting older. So there we go. We weren't sure whether that was a, a symptom of ageing or not, but we've had that confirmed. Um, further to uh, discussion on episode five, Porcupine RPG on Twitter writes, Lads, Rear Window was filmed in Technicolor. You can't go believing the first random university film club blog that shows up on Google under is Rear Window black and white or colour. The negatives were poorly preserved and had to have their colours restored in later years, but it was always a colour film. We potentially stand corrected, or you could also argue that you can't go believing the first tweet that comes into the Monkey Tennis podcast, <laughs> as much as you can't believe the, the main result that comes up under Google when you ask, is Rear Window black or white or in colour? Just to add a bit more balance, I think a couple of other people did also send messages like this in, but, you know, that's three people versus the internet is what Adam's telling me, so fine. Um, 
<laughs> furthermore, in uh, the the message archive, Scott Somerville got in touch to say probably the weakest episode of the series, not helped by Nick Mohammed's very poor Scouse accent. The whole Spitfire segment was also a little on the nose. So uh, I think you know it's interesting. We were broadly, I think, quite positive about this episode, but uh, definitely quite a few people not agreeing. Okay, so uh, I have a message from Harry Ford who says, my least favourite episode so far. First half was really funny, but I thought the internet troll section was weak and the finale with the posh band and the protesters didn't make me laugh at all. Good to see Simon winning for a change, definitely gunning for a hosting job. I mean, you say winning, but he was smashed in the chops in the final episode as well. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, moving on, um, Jamie Atkinson writes, end of episode five, uh, Alan's got a big interview, seems to be getting on with Jenny and has a nice younger girlfriend. Somehow I expect it to all turn to Ash next week. Um, Can we just clarify younger girlfriend? Well, not really a girlfriend, is she, Tiff? But, you know, a, 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 new, lover. a new younger lover. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a one-night stand, though, isn't it? Yeah, but are, are, you, are, you, are you, Nick, are you, are you suggesting that Tiff and Alan are of similar ages? Because I, I wouldn't agree with no, that. No, 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 the challenge there is in girlfriend, not younger. Right, fine, fine. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, one is, one is evidentially true. The other one is, I would say, <laughs> evidentially not true uh, and now we're going to move on to talking about the final episode in the series uh, the ones that I've got here are all quite quick fire so we're going to go through them now uh, in terms of positive feedback Terry Cole says one of the greatest 30 minutes of TV ever outstanding whoa Neg- big big ch- big chat from Cole there <laughs> um, <laughs> neg- negative feedback uh, Michelin Man says the show is getting very boring and stale the same jokes week in and week out and then uh at Yushin1 on Twitter says, didn't like this, was over the top and not very partridge at all. Um, Dave Toms also got in touch saying, re Michael could be a red herring. Yes, given to him by Michael, but doesn't say when could have been pre-death. Snub nosed Uzi says, did anyone else scream Michael at 9.40pm last night and scare their wife? No, neither did I. Bye. And finally on RIP Seldom, Josh Jeffrey says, seldom dying is sad, but there's a silver lining. And it's that Alan is saving a fortune in eggs. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> Very fair. Um, yeah, brilliant feedback. Thanks to everyone that got in touch, especially Dave Toms for teaching us about the economy of using few words rather than uh, full sentences. Um, <laughs> so uh, we asked, uh, I think we asked on uh, on socials what, what people thought was next for Alan Partridge. Um, Peter Fitzsimmons got in touch to say, I predict we'll see Alan's next outing as a political campaigning Farage-style figure. Uh, Andrew Stern said, personally, I can't see Alan working for the BBC again after his recent Clarkson like antics have you guys ever discussed the idea of alan working for a shopping channel i think this would be the perfect place for him right now and suits the trajectory of his career well uh tom stab did suggest this very thing uh, as a picture partridge uh, i think in our last series yeah i can't remember why we were doing picture partridge partridge is quite a mouthful to say mm-hmm. easy for me to say pitch a partridges um but yeah my my idea my suggestion was that alan was for some reason uh, parachuted in to host uh, a segment on the QVC shopping channel. Uh, and I think that, you know, kind of the mixture of Alan, you know, getting flustered and panicking on live television whilst having to sell something, sell a product or, or work some kind of tech or whatever, um, or talk to an expert or an inventor or someone like that could lead to some hijinks. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how you would make that into a series it sounds more like a skit yeah. or a vt from within the con within the conceit of this time but i think alan doing some live um uh tv uh shopping could uh c- could work quite well in a, in a qv does qvc still exist i don't even oh, know yeah but... it's yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised how famous some of the presenters on qvc are now uh, go on surprise us andy, <laughs> Pete- andy peters can't be surprised there you uh, go that works Gok-, Gok wan has a regular show on qvc wow. no yeah. there you go yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to what we think is next for Alan, um, but yeah. I've, I've definitely got strong thoughts and I'm glad that uh, the listeners do as well. Um, George Gray said, I thought the series finished with the likelihood that Alan will be sacked from this time for his outburst and blackface revelation. However, as he's now realised he's relatable and a man of the people, he decides to go on a one man show and tour the UK next year. Now, presumably this came in from George after Stratagem had already been announced. <laughs> had it? He's not just uh, <laughs> he's not just a predicted real life Partridge tour. 
Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd have to check that. But no, I, I think that's exactly the point, isn't it? Where I think you get a nice dovetailing of what Steve and the Gibbons brothers have decided to do next to their project. I'd be very surprised if there isn't a through line in the APU of him leaving this time to then tour the UK as this newfound voice of the people. But again, I'm sure we can delve into that a little bit further uh, a bit later in the episode. So it's probably time to take a look at what uh, some of our listeners slash Partridge viewers uh, thought of the series overall. So we'll start with a message from Stephen Warren. Stephen writes, episode rankings, best to worst, two, three, six, one, four, five. Um, you might want to take your time to figure out which ones those are. Uh, he writes, the dialogue was almost consistently very strong. VTs were hit and miss, but I enjoyed them to play along with the conceit of the show. I'm hoping that the Michael Tease plays out, although I can see why it wouldn't. I love the Ted from Sunderland cameos, as he's one of my favourite characters. Um, Adrian Bavister also wrote to us uh, quite a long email from Adrian, as uh, they often are. Uh, he declared episode two to be his firm favourite of the series, but I thought there was quite an interesting section of his email to pull out and have a bit of discussion about here. Adrian writes, when I discovered Nomi Knowing You back in the mid-90s, I was a teenager. I wonder, with this time, if they're targeting a younger audience or if they're targeting people in their 30s slash 40s who grew up with Partridge. A younger audience might explain some of the more immature and cheap jokes. Then again, who was knowing me, knowing you aimed at. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Any thoughts about targeting in terms of age groups and viewers? I think that that it's um, they're still mainly targeting people in their 30s and 40s who grew up with Partridge. I don't think they're going for a younger audience. And I think if they were, they wouldn't find it on BBC One on a Friday night, um, well, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I'm pretty sure the average age of the BBC One viewing audience is still like 60 or 61 or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't think... <sighs> I don't think BBC One is the place to try and bring in an audience of like 16 to 34 year olds. That's not what the BBC One channel is trying to do. So I, I would agree. I think arguably, I think a new series of Alan at, at this point, that's going to be aimed at all of those viewers that discovered the character in the 90s. And, you, you know, which would see us through from probably mid 30s to arguably age 60 and beyond. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're trying to crack a younger uh, demographic and the point about the kind of the more basic silly or slapstick gags i guess you can argue they you can rely on knowing less about the apu so when you do have the more slapstick approach like the cook report um you don't have to be a hardcore alan fan to find those things funny so that's probably trying to get in the uh, the mrs brown's boys audience also, there there has always traditionally been a bit of slapstick in Alan, yeah. you know, you know, from 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 the beginning. Um, and then the other thing is that you know, if if Alan uh, or slash Coogan slash BBC wanted you know to target younger viewers, they would um, put a video on TikTok. Oh wait, they did do that, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was only it was only one. We did share it on our socials. Um, it was part of the promotional activity for episode one. I don't think there were any other. Um, videos they didn't launch an alan tiktok um channel or anything like that it sat on the bbc yeah it sat on the bbc um it sat on the bbc channel um and you could sort of be interviewed by alan so a bit of fun but um it was just part of the promotional activity so i don't think they were aggressively targeting a younger market otherwise they would have probably leaned into that a little bit more um to adrian's point about you know then again who was know me knowing you aimed at i think Putting a show like Know Me Knowing You on 20 years ago uh, in a mid-evening time slot on BBC Two is a very different prospect to in 2021, putting mm. it uh, on primetime BBC One. I think back then, that was when you know younger fans of alternative comedy would tune in. And obviously, 20 years ago, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have social media. And so that would have been where people would go to find kind of sort of some counterculture, some alternative comedy. So I think it's reasonable to expect that that was for a younger audience and that this time is now for that same audience that's that's grown up rather than going after, like, the 20-year-olds of 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, if, if you look at the ages between the four of us doing this podcast, it does kind of tally that we all would have discovered the Alan character in our in our teens, and that, that brings us through to kind of, like, 30s, None of us in our forties just yet, thankfully. But um, yeah, I, I think that kind of, I think that's kind of what holds up. And I think also the thing about ages and audiences, it's very much if you're aiming for a more youthful audience with a BBC channel, you're gonna you're gonna get put on BBC Three if, if anything these days. But then also, I guess there is a point that a new Alan vehicle. 
I guess they've also put that on BBC One just because he's such a big, known, loved character. They probably felt like it was the right thing to do to put him on their biggest flagship channel. But And ultimately, I think things like this are quite interesting because perhaps if this time had been on BBC Two, one, the kind of scripting and the the final... Uh, the final edits of the show could kind of have a different feel to them. And also the audience expectation for a show like this would probably be different if it was on BBC Two versus BBC One as well. So I think when you do have things like, I mean, it's the cliched example, when you do have things like Mrs. Brown Brown's Boys being such a huge rating success on BBC One, obviously the kind of comedy audience that is appealing to is wildly different to, I think, your more engaged, diehard Partridge fan. So I guess there's always going to be that that struggle to try and make it work for all camps in the best way possible, which I think is an unenviable task. I also find it, I still find it quite weird, and I've always thought this about the kind of, not obsession, but um, focus on what channel a programme goes on, given, you know, it was probably different, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago when you literally had three, maybe four channels. But in the day and age that we live in where most people are on their phones watching something or on YouTube or on um, endless sky and satellite and freeview channels, that it's still kind of important like what BBC One means versus BBC Two. Like I, if a show's on BBC One versus BBC Two, like I don't. I don't care. Like, I don't. I don't see why it's such a big deal. But then I guess that's a generational thing, and it's prestige over you know, and and unless you know a certain generation of people just literally just put on BBC One and don't change the channel. <laughs> yeah, but do you, do you not find I that I don't know? Does do you not find it communicates anything to you if there's a new show that launches on if there's a new comedy show say that launches on BBC Two versus BBC Three or BBC One? Does that do you not find that communicates to you kind of like who it's yeah. targeted at? De- yeah okay so that's different that's bbc that's make that's mainstream like broadcast television bbc one bbc two versus satellite and freeview channels mm. I, I i'm specifically talking about the difference between bbc uh, one well, and bbc two i, really I think I, I'd, I'd also say if there's going to be a new comedy show and it was going to start on bbc one i would assume i'm not going to like it whereas if it's on bbc exactly. two yeah i feel yeah, like yeah. i'm in with a fighting chance yeah. because if it's on bbc <laughs> one it has to be broad enough to to draw in millions of people and therefore that doesn't tend to be the sort of thing that i like but yeah. obviously i make an exception for partridge because it's grown up to that level from yeah. starting on on radio and bbc two it started off on the smaller stages and it's gradually worked its up its way up to glastonbury headliner yeah pretty pretty much okay i'm going to follow that up with a note from dan james of all people they write, love this series, more Alan character development and growth, as well as more of the same stupidity, e.g. Tiff falling for Simon's joke uh, in the last episode and outing his old photos. Loved it when Alan and Jenny unite against Sam. Uh, I like it when Alan has a win. I'd like more of these. Simon's growth as a character is also great. If series three happens, I'd be intrigued if he gets more presenting and how Alan reacts to it. Susanna's acting is incredible in the whole thing. Her whole character is perfectly played and I can't give her enough kudos. Love Ted's constant presence, even if only minimal interaction. Uh, I want a tooth badge and I want the next Alan podcast to be the hunt for Michael. Some praise and some demands there from uh, Dan James. (laughs) Uh, We haven't, uh, up until this point in this feedback, this episode and also last week's one as well, we haven't mentioned um, Susanna Fielding very much. I don't think we mentioned her at all, actually, but... um, I guess we can talk about her in a bit more depth when it comes to our wrap-up, but um, good to see that the, the fans are also recognising um, Susanna's acting ability in the series. Um, next up, we have an email from Jamie Atkinson, who says, really enjoyed the series overall. Although not quite as polished as series one, I felt it was more consistent. The good, more Simon, dark Lynn, Jenny and Alan's dynamic was strong. Tiff was a good, if little, underused addition, and the return of Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. The bad... VT is generally too long and not as funny as the studio stuff. They need Jenny or Simon in them if they do Series 3. Ruth didn't need to be brought back and the Sam Chatwin story fizzled out. Overall, 8 on 10. Uh, Harry Ford then writes, uh, The highlights, Alan's SAS training, accidentally getting pissed on cocktails and his American accent during the drama therapy section. Weak points, the studio being invaded by protesters, which I felt like was a weak retread of Shona McGoth and the Ball Brumoys. Also, hardly giving Natasha Dimitri anything to do, and most of the VT segments were a mixed bag. 
Three hours of new Partridge content is always great, but if this is the end of this time, as the series ending suggests, I think they've probably got as much as they can out of the format, and I'm looking forward to seeing where Alan goes next. I just wanted to address a point from uh, Jamie Atkinson's message there about the the Sam Chatwin storyline fizzling out. I think that's an interesting point, because I, I guess the, the Sam and Jenny story played out across a couple of episodes and did do some narrative work but it does make you wonder whether they had kind of stronger narrative threads planned for all these episodes but obviously there's only so much you can do with six half hours of of tv because i wonder whether so because also you know you think about like ruth duggan wasn't actually in that many episodes and think things like like a few people saying like tiff not doing very much it makes you wonder if there were kind of bigger narrative plans like as a kind of a series arc for this that there just literally wasn't time for it's yeah i think it probably is that but i mean the thing is they're kind of they do the, the, the gibbons and steve have kind of written themselves into a corner in the sense of of what the conceit for the show is so you know it's not a sitcom whereas if it was just 30 minutes of behind the camera or 30 minutes of sitcom you've got way more room to develop narrative and develop characters whereas in the given that this is a parody of the one show you have to give equal if not more weight to the conceit of the show which is that it's a tv show and i think that kind of that things that we've discussed before paints them into a bit of a narrative corner in terms of being able to develop stuff because they have to pay all the due diligence to the conceit of the show otherwise it's a sitcom and it isn't a sitcom and i think that's probably that's probably most restrictive and most damaging to uh, natasha dimitri as tiff because you can't develop that character much more because there's no realistic reason for her to be on screen or on set any longer than she is she's literally yeah. there to touch up touch up the makeup pretty much so unless her and alan would have you know big open conversations in the middle of the set or in the middle of the show you can't give her much more than than you have which is a shame i think um we also heard from George Snell. Thanks for getting in touch, George. He says, I enjoyed the second series more in comparison to the first series. Rightfully, things felt a little bit more polished, in my opinion, this time around, as you would expect with the format being able to find its feet. I thought the ending was great, and Alan has to mess it up, but it was nice to see him walk away with some kind of victory. It's ironic that Alan is a man of the establishment, and after his outburst, he may become a figure for those against it. So even though he did get a small victory, he may not see it that way, especially with his opportunity to interview a royal stolen away from him. It'll be interesting to see where things go from here and after stratagem there are a few balls in the air such as the future of alan's career as i doubt the bbc will let him continue on this time also we still don't know what will happen with tiff and if she'll stay in alan's life and then there's the mystery of what could be happening with a possible return of michael personally like many fans i'm warming up to the idea of an i'm alan partridge series three which would have been dead against i would have been dead against coming back to some years ago i think that's really interesting because you have got alan is it in a position in his life and as we've just said there are a lot of kind of there are a lot of off-screen characters that we'd like to see develop more and the only way that really could happen is if they did return to the idea of Iron Man and Partridge I also think I know we will talk a bit about where Alan might go next I wonder if they'll do a third series of this time purely because they've never done a third series of anything with Alan before they've always capped it at two mm. um, so I wonder if it's time to make an exception or whether it's run its course yeah, well, well, I guess I was just going to take a short look at a couple of uh, press comments to see what you guys make of a few a few things that I pulled out, and then then I guess we should uh, we should kind of delve into that and what we thought of uh, what we all thought of the series overall, and and what we think might happen next, what we'd like to see next. So, just a couple of press bits then. I found a, a kind of a, an, an opinion piece from um, Stu Heritage at The Guardian. Um, so this wasn't technically a review of this time. This was an article written about there was a petition for Steve and Susanna to host an episode of The One Show, uh, which we've been doing around. Just a bit of fun. And basically, Stu's piece, the whole point was saying, no, they shouldn't be allowed to do that because it wouldn't work. The comedy conceit of why this time works would be obliterated if you get them doing a real life one show appearance which i think makes sense but i just thought there are a couple of sentences in his piece which i thought for me really encapsulated um where this time is at its best so let's see what you think of this he writes this time is a masterpiece of all the iterations of adam partridge it might be my favorite 
It isn't as broad as Naomi Knowing You, or as flat-out bleak as I'm Alan Partridge, and, unlike Partridge's output on Sky, people actually watch it. It's sillier and subtler than any previous Partridge vehicle, propelled by a barrage of excruciating micro-expressions that hint at a world of discomfort lingering just below the surface. I love it very much. The beauty of this time is that it's a nice summarisation of Alan's career so far. The in-studio work mimics Knowing Me Knowing You, the filmed pieces recall the specials he made for Sky, and the backstage stuff harks back to I'm Alan Partridge. I mean, I think I what I really like about that is I do definitely agree that it does pull lots of different pieces of output in the APU into one show like that. I think that's quite a good observation. What do you guys think? Uh, I agree, but I, I think I, I said something similar on a recent episode that I like that yeah that it pulls those things together. But what it does do as well, I think, is is reminds it, it sort of puts them firmly in order for me, and it reminds me how much I prefer the backstage stuff and the, the mm. I'm Alan Partridge style stuff uh, to anything else. Yeah, and and that especially that sort of last paragraph um, surmising pulling everything into you know a splash of this a dash of that a sousson of this um kind of <laughs> to make a delicious partridge pie um it, it i completely agree with that and i think that's why i mean we'll get onto our, our, our thoughts later on but why this series is is broadly a huge success and i i get what people say about a third series of i'm alan partridge but it needs to be something more than that. It needs to be something, I don't know, cleverer or, or there is, I mean, there is a, there is a, there is a worry or a, a concern that they would overthink it, but I'm so confident in these writers to come up with something that isn't just a straight sitcom. I mean, don't get me wrong. If that's what it is, I would be happy with it. I'm sure it'd be great, but it's, I, I feel like they're purposefully trying to steer away from that. And I think they're probably right to do so because you go back trying to play the greatest hits and it doesn't work then you you open yourself for a barrage of criticism and i think as long as they're trying something new then i think they're they're allowed to have that creative license which i think keeps the character interesting for steve um if it just went back to straight sitcom would that be as fulfilling for him i don't know didn't they say that whatever they want to do with alan next they always want it to be a project that fans can't think of in essence, yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. There, there was a quote along those lines. So, oh, it's 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 from the it's from the um, director's commentary for um, Alpha Papa. Oh, right, it was right. it was. Um, I'm paraphrasing. If a fan could think of it, then they wouldn't do it. If a fan wanted it, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder obviously that that so that was quite a few years ago. If that was an Alpha Papa thing, so I wonder what their thoughts are on that now because I think there are some very obvious things in terms of there's always that discussion around Iron Man and Partridge Series 3 which I don't think would ever happen but there are also kind of quite strong narrative things in terms of is there a vehicle in a search for Michael and stuff like that so Mm. again I I, I do think you're right that it's never I don't think they're ever going to do anything that's immediately as obvious as that because I think even like the way something like the Oast House podcast works, I don't think any of us would have predicted that's exactly what that podcast would have been. And I think, again, with with Alan being back on the BBC on a mainstream channel, I don't think any of us would have predicted it would be in a one-show one aping format like this time either. So I think they've always excelled in managing to not only renew the vehicles, but make them fresh enough that it doesn't feel like they're doing things that are obvious. Yeah, and also to that to that point about guessing what um, the next uh, Partridge uh, vehicle would be, we we invited our listeners to guess what it would be, and it was pretty much everyone was saying it'll be something about Brexit, it'll be something about Brexit, and no one said, oh, it'll be a parody of the One Show or something or a chat show or, or something like that. So, given the amount of feedback we have in testament to the fact that we're doing we're doing this right now, and no one was able to pick it then, mm. you know, they're, they're doing something right. And I think they will continue to do that. And I really do think the ultimate thing is, is it interesting for Coogan? Does he still yeah. want to do it? And I don't think a sitcom would be particularly appealing to him. He's done enough of them, probably doesn't want to do them anymore. And if he's going to keep coming back to Alan, he wants to do something new with it, which I think is admirable. I think I think the Brexit thing was interesting, though, because they used that as like a device to set the context for kind of why why the character had got the series because I think they kind of talked around in interviews the context of Alan being a potential 
more engaged with the with the voice of the people or whatever it was at the time because he was seen as a bit more of a kind of right-leaning character which i actually think if you look at alan in 2021 he's less right-leaning than he's ever been but i think we should come on to that in a minute um so a couple of other reviews that i pulled out here um I basically only went as far as looking at The Independent and The Mirror because I didn't want to start looking at things like The Daily Mail where we we know they'll have given it a kicking no matter what. So uh, in The Independent they wrote, Partridge is at his best when he says things only he would say, convinced he's the voice of reason, admonishing for people getting Bond wrong, musing on the working classes, pitching for a second series. In this new woke TV world, where he's constantly aware of what he's not allowed to say, his wings are clipped. There's also none of the slimy desperation clinging to him like one of his cheap blazers that characterised his early career. Don't give him another series, you swines. Um, and onto the mirror, they wrote, there are one or two decent laughs per episode, but I generally find myself wondering why they didn't just do a straight parody of the one show and leave it at that. Instead, Coogan has been indulged to the point where no one dared tell him that Partridge's seven minute monastery segment was at least six minutes too long, or that he needs to stop doing that silly voiceover voice for no reason. The fact is, there are so many late middle-aged male hosts following the Partridge blueprint these days, that a cringy, needy, gaff-prone windbag is no longer an extraordinary sight for viewers. Thoughts? I mean, I think, as ever, there's a kernel of truth in it, but I don't agree with it on the whole. I mean, um, I think that... I, I agree the monastery segment is too long. I, don't, I think six minutes too long is something that someone's written to have impact in a print piece. I don't think that's yeah, accurate. Course, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, it is less of an extraordinary sight for viewers, but just because there are real dickheads around doesn't mean <laughs> that you can't enjoy this kind of beloved, fictitious dickhead that's been around for 20 years. Um uh, in terms of the independent, I mean, it 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 reads you know word for word like somebody that's like is a cliche in itself. You know this sort of oh you know I prefer the older stuff and oh you can't say anything anymore. Like I think you you have to be smarter about the way you construct comedy now. It would be very easy to do a partridge where he literally is just like yeah is just moaning on without any thought to the consequences. But I don't think it's very smart, and I feel like it's he it's been done by him, including by Partridge himself. So I think harking back for to those days feels a bit regressive and a bit lazy. I think as well, one of the messages that we read out earlier actually referred specifically to this independent review about the kind of woke world and his uh, wings being clipped. So in this review, they're kind of arguing that it's not as funny. And I think they've totally missed a point because that is why it's funny because it's Alan struggling to do the right thing and say the right thing in the, in a world of 2021, which is not the world of 1997 or 1993. And that is where the humour lies, that we've seen this character progress and have to try to adapt to a modern world and a more woke way of thinking, for want of a better phrase. So that just that's added a, a new and a different layer of humour to why the character works. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. It, it's, it's, it's kind of like that band analogy, isn't it, where people are just like, oh, play the old hits. And it's like, well, we've got this new album. We're kind of focused on doing that now. It's like artists and creatives want to push themselves and try different things to keep it interesting for them. Otherwise, why are they doing what they do? And I think that's kind of the point here is that there will always be people who want it to be something that it's not now and will be like oh in my day it was better and that's fine but just you know go and watch that and you know don't <laughs> don't, don't don't you know if the character isn't for you anymore that's fine it's uh but i think there is i still think regardless of whether you think the character or this direction is for you or not i still think there is enough in here that you will like and i think there is enough in here of classic partridge i think there is enough in here of mid you know early gibbons you know talking about the mid mid morning matters stuff i think there i i I can't see i fail to understand how people can't see that there is there isn't something in this for them even if it's you know a few laughs here and there if you get a few laughs out of you know 20 to 30 minutes of tv i think that's that's pretty good pretty good going and i i struggle to see how people can't think this is good but anyway i i think just two more points to, to the mirror review actually um reading that again I think where they where they write wondering why they didn't do a straight parody to one show, I think because they didn't do that is again why it's good because there is this layer of the backstage stuff that gives you that peek into that Alan's really real boring. world. Like that's what like I remember when when we went to the screening and saw the first episode of series one, like that blew my mind because like okay this is kind this is what we want in terms of this is that. I'm Alan Partridge view in when we talked about it being like a Larry Sanders show type thing. It gave us a bit of that without explicitly doing that and kind of meshed it into a straight up parody at the same time. And I think that's why it's good. Whereas if it's just a straight parody, I think you lose so many layers of nuance and jokes that you, you can have in the scripts otherwise. Um, and, but on the flip side, the other the thing I would agree with with the mirror, I do think most of the VT pieces could have been a bit shorter and still would have mm, worked. Mm, yeah, definitely. So as we did with uh, series one, uh, have we got a read on the viewing figures for series two? I've got a bit of info on this, yeah. Uh, and just by point of comparison, series one, episode one, uh, reached 3.3 million. Uh, series two, episode one, reached 2.6 million. So there has been a bit of a decline there, um, but you know, uh, rambling beer gardens, all, all, all the uh, usuals. I mean, I mean, there's 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 lots of factors in there. The the other one is that there was a huge promo trail for 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 series one because it was Alan's return to the BBC. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, they got us on fucking BBC local radio and BBC <laughs> radio. So it's it, it, Tom it's, Stab it's, on five live. I was on five Mental, live. Yeah. I mean, insane. But it, you know, and. I think there was a lot more press, a lot more promotion for Series 1 because it was such a big deal um, that it was always going to launch pretty big. And obviously all the um, internal buzz about all the staff, internal staff memos that went viral and, yeah, just yeah. A, a, a lot more promotion than there was. You know, who who once a second series comes around, it's never going to get the same level of, of, of promotion apart from maybe things like Line of Duty and those huge, huge shows that get, you know, eight to ten million views but this was never going to get the same level of promotion that series one got yeah i I guess the thing is as well like you've got a lot of people tuning in for series one episode one out of curiosity when when essentially the the context is this character hasn't been on the bbc for 30 years and Mm. yeah you're totally right two years later this character's back for another six episodes by that point you know if you're on board or not you know if you care you know if you're going to be tuning in um just a bit more interesting info on the viewing figures uh looking at the figures for the first four episodes which is as far as the data that i got access to uh goes that uh the viewing figures did decline week on week so again that's definitely rambling in beer gardens right uh they they did average out uh 1.9 million so are you, are you telling us that, oh, oh they started badly they got worse uh, <laughs> yes and i think um at some point in the six in the six week run we were suddenly allowed to go back into beer gardens so that is potentially on a Friday a, night a genuine beer, beer garden excuse. So we know what you, the listeners and viewers, thought of this time. We know what the press thought, and we know, in terms of numbers at least, what the general public thought. But most importantly, what did we think? Uh, first, <laughs> I'm going to throw to Mr. Tom Stab for his thoughts on the series as a whole. So I I would generally say that I preferred this series to the first series. I preferred series two to series one. I think. 
and I think a couple of listeners have, have, have said this as well. It's more consistent than series one, but I think series one had higher highs and lower lows. So I think this as a, as a series was just generally more consistent. And I would, I would take that to be honest. I, I, I'm, it, it could have been a lesser version. And if it had been a lesser version, then, you know, I, I, I'm I'm pleased. I'm pleasantly pleased that it is as good as it is. And also, I think someone said in their in their feedback that um, uh, they kind of found their feet with the format. And I'd agree with that as well. I think the the writing is more concise. I think it's I I think it flows better in terms of an episode what an episode looks like and things that would actually be on the one show. Um, yeah, I thought it was consistently better than 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 the first series. I think you know in terms of 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 moments of the series, obviously. Cheeky Monkey is right up there. Do I think that the Cheeky Monkey section was better than Martin Brennan in Series 1? Possibly not. I think that was a better segment. But um, And also, I think when we recorded Series 1, we butted heads quite a bit in terms of episodes that we really liked and episodes that we really didn't like. And there was always kind of a polarising opinion on episodes in that series. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we had that in this series. I think there was broad agreement that, um, that that this was really strong and really good. And there wasn't really much disagreement in terms of, I thought this episode was rubbish, or I thought this episode was amazing. I thought this section was rubbish. I thought this section was amazing, etc. Um, but yeah, in general, I thought it was great. I loved it. I'd be happy to see more. I would equally be happy if they moved on to something else. Um, and I think it's interesting that, yeah, Partridge has never done a two series of anything. So I wonder if they will keep to that. But yeah, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it. And I think just any Alan, I'm always, always going to enjoy. I'm happy to throw uh, next with a few thoughts. Um, I mean, I, I love series one and I would say that I love series two. So I, I kind of put them on a similar um, footing. What I would say is, and it was mentioned in the feedback um, that we touched on earlier, was that there's it's not immediate and so i do think a lot of this uh the enjoyment um sort of builds with time so to try and compare them can be a bit tricky because you know i remember when i first saw mid-morning matters i didn't love it and yet i've grown to love that and it's probably some of my most favorite and sort of cherished alan so i'm always a bit hesitant to sort of judge it with so little time with it in the grand scheme of things but i would say overall i think it's on a similar level and that for me was a it was was a pretty high um uh, sort of um footing the i guess the reason why i'd possibly slightly nudge series one over series two is i think that series one was doing it first and i do think it's a very original concept and you know it was sort of breaking new ground whereas this is kind of retreading uh, a lot of that ground there's there's not much new that's kind of really um uh sort of achieved with with series two they they sort of follow the formula to some degree so for that reason i think that you know it was a it was a bit of a shame that we didn't see anything particularly new you know we touched on things like ruth which perhaps didn't feel as enjoyable second time around and was maybe sort of slightly overused um but i do think the chemistry between alan and jenny has really grown the use of simon i think um has uh you know he's kind of come into his own although i would argue simon's always been a really strong character that they've always um written very very well um so for me it's kind of uh, sort of another hit in 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 that regard so not much to distinguish them overall incredibly enjoyable um i do think some of the vts perhaps weren't as strong um but i do think over time i'll, I'll come to love them um and i still watch series one of this time now and expect to watch series two of this time kind of long into the future so I give it a resounding uh, thumbs up to be honest. And I do like the sort of the culture war stuff that we've touched on throughout this um, episode. I think it's um, incredibly well judged, managed with a very kind of like deft touch. Um, and I do think was, uh, I don't think needed necessarily, but it, it certainly made me laugh and poked fun at the subject. So yeah, overall, very, very good. Um, I think the thing for me with series two is just that you can see the refinement process happening. You can see in it what they've learned from from series one. So um, things like uh, they don't necessarily have Ruth in every episode. She's used a little more sparingly. Um, I think uh, Simon, they've kind of learnt what worked and what didn't with Simon. They haven't attempted to have anyone play themselves in this series because I think they, they realised that the tone of that was slightly off with Monty Don and Emily Maitlis. Um, 
I think as well that they've shoehorned more narrative into this series, which is something I really enjoy in comedy. I think I think it shows a real skill when people can kind of move characters forward at the same time as being funny and not have to choose one over the other. Or some shows kind of alternate, you know, there's a scene where no, there's no laughs, but they move things on. And then there's a funny scene where nothing really happens. But I feel like Partridge, they've managed to, to juggle both. Um, and also the point that some listeners made as well about this kind of effectively taking the best parts of No Me Knowing You and the backstage fun of I'm Alan Partridge to give a bit more of a balanced view. Um, whether they go for a third series or not, I'm I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do or not. Um, I think they've been quite, um, what's the word, quite strict with themselves in, in stopping at two series of every Partridge vehicle so far. And I think it's often for good reason. The only reason I'd want to see a third series, I think, is that I, I believe that refinement we've seen from series one to series two would continue. And I kind of imagine that with every further series of this time we get, it will be shaped into a slightly shinier diamond. Um, but then again, I don't want to continue seeing, you know, watching improvement happen in real time. I think if they did a third series, they'd really have to nail it. Um, and I think I'd probably be more excited about them tackling some other on-screen project of Alan's. Um, but I, I mean, we'll come on to that in a second. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's really enjoyable. I wish they'd given Natasha Dimitri more to do, but I understand the concept of the show means that that's very difficult. Um, yeah, I think I think they use. Simon, just they had just the right amount of Simon anymore, and it might have felt a bit too far back towards Mid Morning Matters, um, any, any less. And I think it would have relied too heavily just on Alan. And I think it's these days it's very much the supporting characters' reactions that make Alan funny as much as Alan himself. Um, so it's good to see that continue. Susanna Fielding still you know excellent and you know i think you don't get a lot of credit for playing the straight woman or man in these situations but i think she does it very well um and i think it really allows coogan to shine and it gives him something else to play off um so yeah overall really great i think an improvement on 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 series one but i agree with nick that you know the novelty of the concept was there when you first saw it and that is kind of that's the shine of that has dulled perhaps a little bit um but yeah excited to see what happens next I think for me, a few kind of uh, overall points that uh, I've, I've jotted down that I, I, I thought something that really struck me about this series that I think, and I've said this a few times over the weeks, that I think they were incredibly bold with some of the targets and gags they had in this series, considering it was a mainstream BBC One show. So Savile, Tree, A Nazi Salute, Blacking Up, uh, digs at BBC senior management, digs at the BBC One audience itself. Um I expected perhaps the Alan and Jenny conflict to come to more of a head than it did in this series, and it feels like there could still be narrative ground to explore there if there were to be more this time, but whether that's the right thing to do, not fully sure. Uh, And actually, I do think, as much as I would like to have seen more of Tiff, I do think it was quite impressive how much of a story they managed to tell with characters like Tiff, and to this extent also Lynn, when they are barely on screen. Uh, You know, I, I think with Tiff... She doesn't have a lot of dialogue. You don't see much of her. But just the references in the dialogue and to things that happen off camera, I still think do build quite an impressive narrative considering the amount of actual screen time she has. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, we definitely all agree on kind of like the minutiae of Susanna Fielding's performances, Tim Key's face acting, like... Susanna and Tim, I would say, like, they essentially continue to steal the show. They are both absolutely excellent and make this a fully rounded comedy vehicle instead of it being... I think if it was all about Steve Coogan being Alan, it would perhaps not be as good as as it is, if you see what I mean, because it's like you've got three really, really key and incredibly talented comic actors kind of leading this. I mean, you, you know, you could even you can actually argue four when you put uh, Lynn Felicity Montague into the mix as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think another point being every moment that we've got of Lynn and Alan together was an absolute joy. And I think that's the sort of thing where that's the stuff that the fans are going to absolutely love. And maybe people that aren't so clued in on Alan might leave them a bit cold, but I thought those bits were absolutely brilliant. Um, and I really like the way the the series ended with Alan losing the big interview that had been building up and literally being shut outside the BBC. And you just have this interesting point where 
by speaking truthfully, finally connected to an audience in a way he hasn't before. So perhaps that will be how he cements his legacy, in essence, accidentally, which I think does potentially lead on to whatever stratagem is going to be. But it, And in terms of this series versus series one, I think essentially repeat viewing is where you get the best from this time. So I feel like essentially I definitely need... I definitely need more time with this time to really decide where I feel it sits because I think there's definitely almost a cloud of not quite nostalgia because it's only two years ago, but kind of the, the buzz and the excitement around series one, I think is going to be hard to beat in terms of how it kind of sets the scene for that first series. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in essence, it's a continuation of a lot of great things. And I think like Adam says, there has been a refining of it. So I think it is perhaps a little bit sharper. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of thing. I need need to watch it like another three, four times to really, really bed in with it. Because you know, when you think back to things like I'm Alan Partridge or the day to day, like this is part of why we're such big fans. Because it's stuff we would have watched on repeat many, many times over over the years. I think just to one of the points you made, Tom, about Tim and Susanna kind of making the show what it is. I mean, I completely agree with that. I think they're both incredible. But the, the the praise that I would give to Steve is that he is very generous with his comedy vehicles in terms of giving screen time and laughs and development to mm. other characters and other actors. Um, and I think, again, it could be so easy for him. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't have an ego. He's, you know, he's, he's created one of the most enduring, enduring and successful comedy characters of all time in this country. Um, but... It shows a lack of ego in sense of giving, being so generous with with those other actors and and through the writing process as well to give them the development that that they do in this show. It is it would be so easy for him to just make it all about him, yeah. um, and arguably he's done that with stratagem. But we don't know if there's going to be any you know supporting characters well, yeah, I guess in we that. Don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So, but but I think the kind of the generosity of 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 of, of them as writers and performers to get other actors and and creatives into the APU just makes it richer and makes it better because you know they're pretty much always on the nose with the people that they pick in terms of you know how great they are they they really nail it so you know it, it it's good to see because it would just be boring if it was Alan and because you have these other characters it's just it's much it's much richer and better for it as well and also people who are just saying you know it's not funny it's not great not enjoying it Watch it again, and you know I'm not saying they were doing this, but put your phone down. Look at what's going on. Look at the <laughs> look at you know some people like if you are just watching it like scrolling through Twitter or whatever and not really absorbing it, you will miss a lot. You'll of miss stuff. a lot, yeah. You'll yeah. miss a lot. So you know I I would highly recommend, and even for the people who have seen it once and enjoyed it, go back and watch it again and look out for all those things going on in the background. Look for look for the the the. the, the the, the twinges in the eyes and the mouth and the reactions and stuff like that. It's, and a guy it's getting a hit on the head with a mug. <laughs> and a guy getting a hit, a hit on the head with a mug. Um, I, the other thing that I, I think is probably worth mentioning um, with regards to this series is that they fear, they don't seem so scared of pushing the nostalgia button and they've got a really good sense of when it's okay to do that. So when to throw in a Joe Beasley, when to bring back Rosie Witter, when to you know refer to the Oast House or Seldom or things like that. It feels like perhaps previously, as we've talked about, they don't like to do things that fans can predict. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of the point that they've spent so long kind of reacting against what they think the obvious thing to do is that to bring back some beloved characters has become the unpredictable option. Um, <laughs> yes. and, I think, and I think, I think, um, I think they've got a really good, they don't, they don't seem to be kind of uh, against that for its own sake anymore. And it feels like they've got a really good sense of when it's a good idea to do that, what sort of characters to bring back and in what capacity and when it's time to, you know, not pay fan service to what's gone before and to try and do something markedly different. And I think I think this is the first time it feels like that balance is is mm. basically spot on. Yep, agreed. Okay, so the big it's time for the big reveal now. Uh, off pod, I got everybody to send me their uh, their list of favourite episodes in podium positions, so I can now reveal the monkey tennis uh, top three episodes of this time series two. Okay, Jed, if you want to start a drum roll about now. All right, Monkey Tennis's bronze position episode of series two is episode one. In with the silver medal, it's episode six, 
leaving no surprises, the gold medal winner, pole position for Series 2, it's obviously Episode 2, featuring Joseph J. Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. It's top and tail and cheeky. <laughs> That's the podium finish. He didn't make us forget that it was our favourite. Did Amazing. everyone? Did everyone have two as their favourite? What? Because I, I, I liked, I liked oh, six. You know what? Oh, here, no. here we go. This is the big reveal. Nick's favourite was episode six, which I think oh. is fair enough. That was oh. our second collectively, so that's fine. Yeah, he's turned his okay. back on cheeky. Um, but... <laughs> that's the plot twist. I'd, I'd forgotten yeah. about cheeky. To be honest, I had forgotten about cheeky. He made but, uh, you forget. Yeah, it's just quite interesting <laughs> to see that there was definitely broad agreement uh, on the, those those top three for for us as a collective. Was, was quite clear. Um, everything else got the same amount of points in a, the scoring system that I applied. Um, but but I won't get us bogged down into the details of that now. <laughs> so, uh, what's coming up for Alan next? We obviously know Stratagem's on the way, so that's on the table and official and announced. We've had uh, listeners uh, suggest that that there can't be a third series of this time. I think that's up for some debate. Um, and there's also been a few people suggest that Alan's outburst uh, means that perhaps he'll end up being a sort of outsider Farage type figure. Um, so what do we all think that uh, that Alan's going to do next, stratagem aside? I kind of think that stratagem is a good example of... Um, not a good example... A bad example. I think stra- <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a terrible no, example. Not, not an example. Um, actually, not stratagem. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, given that we know that stratagem is the next outing, it is interesting that you know, in in the the tenure of the Gibbons, you know, they've they've done ad funded shorts, they've done you know um, a full series for the BBC, they've done a podcast slash audio book, uh, they're doing a stage show they've they've never kind of done more than you know two of anything as we've discussed at length and i think the fact that they have done a stage show is hardly surprising so i would expect it to be something left field and as we mentioned earlier if a fan can think of it they probably won't be doing it so my expectation is that it is going to be something unconventional my other opinion as well personally is i feel like after stratagem um I think we're in for a bit of a break from Alan is my view. Um, I think not only will the Gibbons want to do other creative projects, so, you know, they've proved themselves as very kind of competent writers. Um, same for Steve. And I think COVID will not only have potentially accelerated stratagem because it's domestic in terms of the UK, um, but it will mean that once COVID hopefully uh, is behind us, that there is an opportunity for them all to do other projects. So I wouldn't be surprised if post stratagem, we get a bit of a partridge break. Um, I yeah I think I think you could be right there. Um I think that what they will do is probably some sort of uh one-off special historical or touring the UK style documentary uh which on paper I'm I'm always a little underwhelmed by although I think the finished product can be pleasantly surprising. Um what I'd like them to do and is perhaps realist in in the realms of reality is something that's not dissimilar from this time but it's not exactly the same and it's it almost flips the format on its head so there's a small amount of him presenting on camera and the majority of it is backstage a la Larry Sanders or Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, so it's more of a kind of successor to I'm Alan Partridge, although they would obviously never call it I'm Alan Partridge Series 3. Um, what I'd really love and sits well outside the realms of reality is Alan as a guest host on Dragon's Den. I think that would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for me, I, I... Well, I think someone suggested it. I would... I think a search for Michael podcast, true crime sort of thing, would be yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, where again, whether they want to go down that 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 route of the the Michael question, I I don't know. Or whether they're just having a lot of fun, just kind of playing with the audience. Um, obviously, there's the the tooth badge, and is is that going to get any kind of development? Is Alan going to be wearing that at Stratagem? Don't know. And I think in terms of in, in terms of what I'd like to see next. It's it's less a project and it's and it's more kind of a, a question or, or 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 what I would like to see really is the introduction of Psychic Simon was a bit of an experiment in terms of bringing him into the APU, putting it on Sky, having this new format of Mid Morning Matters, and it worked so well that 
and the dynamic between Simon and Alan worked so well that when it came to doing things further down the line, obviously the conceit of the APU, Alan brings him with, but also the writers and Steve brought Tim Key with them because it worked so well. And I don't know how they would do this, but I would really like to see Susanna come with Alan in some way, shape or form. So whatever the next project is, Susanna is involved in some way, shape or form, because I think that dynamic between the two of them is so good. And I think she is so good that in some way, I hope she's still involved in the APU because she did kind of, you know, her if, if that is her done in the APU, it's kind of left, you know, a little bit, you know, um, she wasn't given much of a send off. It was, a, you know, it ended a bit abruptly. And obviously that works within the conceit of, of what the show is in the storyline. But I would really like to think that they've seen enough in Susanna and they've seen enough of how Alan um, interacts with her and how good that is that whatever Alan does in the future, there will be some Jenny slash Susanna involvement as well. I'd really like to see that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree that I would, I'd love it if there was a way they could, they could make that work. I mean, kind of like I was saying, I think there's definitely, there is more narrative mileage in this time and what they've built up so far. But then on, on the, on the flip side, I don't think I'd necessarily be sad if there wasn't a series three, because I do think that Alan is best when it's kept fresh and the vehicle is, is renewed. I mean, personally, I'd, I'd definitely be keen to see some kind of travelogue or documentary series or perhaps a, a clutch of specials kind of in the vein of Cicidale or Welcome to the Places of My Life. But perhaps there is a way to incorporate a behind-the-scenes element so that we still get to see people like Lynn. And, I mean, God, who knows? Maybe it's it's extrapolating the one-show conceit so it's it's Alan and Jenny touring the UK or something. like. I mean, obviously this is now complete fan-fiction territory, but there's a way that you could create something like that in terms of that could then tickle those kind of those boxes in terms of behind the scenes, bringing foot, bringing other characters that are great for further into the APU. I think there's definitely one thing I don't want to see them do. And that is, I think someone mentioned in, in this feedback episode that um, because of Alan's outbursts at the end of um, episode six, um, and he's finally kind of connected with an audience. Do they lean into the kind of Clarkson, Piers Morgan type figure? Yeah. I hope they don't do that because Alan, as he is, you know, because the conceit could be, oh, actually that I've been trying to be woke and say the right things for so long that now I've actually connected with people by saying what everyone yeah. is thinking, the wrong thing in the in a world cult, woke culture. And they lean into that because if he becomes like a, like a, just using, for example, a Piers Morgan type um, uh, uh, leaning way more into into his right leaning views and making those prominent and maybe going a bit above and beyond. I think that ruins all the work that they've done in developing Alan as a character from what he was like in I'm Alan Partridge series one and two, where they did play into that kind of mean streak a little bit more. He was a, a slightly nastier person. You do have elements of that, like, you know, with his interactions with Lynn, but they're not as prominent as they used to be and i think they would undo a lot of the good work that they've done over the last 10 or so years but, but this this was like my, my kind of last point that i'd had about kind of what might happen next and because yeah a, a few people have kind of messaged saying oh yeah now he's going to be like a nigel farage and like i don't think that's where it's pitched at all because actually he with like the kind of the the, the hopping mad meltdown at the end that's not about him because it, it, it's about being in the middle. It isn't about being right-wing. Yeah. It isn't about being <laughs> yeah. an extremist. So it actually, the, the, the point they're making there is about like the binary opposition that exists in kind of social media discourse and the kind of, the, the, the kind of various culture wars that, that, that keep on exploding through the lens of social media as well. So the point is that the character is actually striving for this kind of middle ground, balanced worldview that a lot of the media and social media and and commentators don't facilitate and i think this is where stratagem is going to be a lot of fun because in the in the trailer video that they released where he's talking about what stratagem is it's essentially his pitch for unity and uniting a divided nation and what i think is going to be great about that is that that's going to give steve and the gibbons the opportunity to to write jokes that target both the left and the right so I don't think it's going to be leaning one way or the other. They, they, it gives them essentially a clean slate to take shots at both sides. And, and I think that's going to be fantastic. 
Super. Well, I think that uh, that brings to the end all of our thoughts, the press's thoughts, the listeners' and viewers' thoughts uh, about this time, Series 2, and the future of Partridge. Uh, we're very excited to see what happens next. And, of course, we will be attending and covering Stratagem, so uh, you can expect more from that in 2022. Jesus Christ. Um, if you've got any thoughts or opinions that uh, didn't feature, um, then please do get in touch thepartridgepod at gmail.com, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod. We're on Twitter at thepartridgepod, Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod. Uh, leave us a voice note on the Monkey Tennis Hotline 07923 Uh Big fans of people doing catchphrases and people with regional accents. Um, and if you'd like to uh, drop us a few pounds to say thanks for putting this together for free, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis. And uh, we really do appreciate all of your uh, feedback and support. So thank you for listening, subscribing and getting in touch with us. Until next time, uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge Fan Podcast, thanks and goodbye stratagem <laughs> it's that time what time high time to say if you've got time to give this time your time then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time on this time monkey tennis please please cook your eggs be safe be egg safe monkey tennis uh, have a glass of water please it falls to me to say he is gone monkey tennis I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things... To all men. And all women. And everything in between. Monkey tennis? There's a shuttlecock up there. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.